Hey, this is Jonathan with Limitless Mindset, and this podcast is the MP3 encoded narration of an article that I just finished over on Minds.com. And there's certain things that I just don't feel comfortable discussing on the social media platforms that you may have actually found me on, namely uh, medium.com and YouTube. There's there's certain subjects that, to be honest with you, I'm going to self-censor on those mainstream platforms. But Minds is an explicitly free speech platform. So I've been devoting some time to doing some some introspective writing on that platform. Thus, I came up with this article, and the article is Simulation Theory Legitimizes Religion? Yes, and that is a question mark at the very end of my intonation of the article title that you are detecting there. So, if your life has ever seemed like a grand work of fiction rife with irony, coincidence, and romance, perhaps it's because our world is a novel written by an alien author. I was raised Christian and was a very energetic evangelical as a young adult, but I ultimately drifted away from the religion and ultimately became an atheist for intellectual reasons. You've probably heard that before from from pe- from other people that became a- that were raised religious and became atheists. But if I'm being honest with myself and you, I didn't leave the religion for purely intellectual reasons though. I left it because I wanted to indulge in the tantalizing hedonism that was dangled before me at a young age. And I've got some some photos. I've got really great photos that go along with this article. Let's talk about doubt. In my teenage years, as a devoted Christian, I began reading these very entertaining chick tracks. And these are presetalizing mini comic booklets that convey a little story in cartoons and end with a call to action to accept Christ. And I ordered, I think, about 750 of these these things, these little booklets, and I was so committed to my religion that I physically spammed my high school and neighborhood with them. My first red pill in regards to my religion was when I discovered, thanks to a chick tract, the conflicting views on different Bible versions. And I've got a bunch of of funny cartoons in this this article, in this blog post, from the the chick tracks. If if you have no idea what what I'm talking about, if you're like, what, what the heck is a chick track? Go, go and check it out. Even if you're not religious, I guarantee you that you'll find, you'll find them amusing. For those who might not know, 
there's not just one version of the English Bible. There's a multiplicity of translations. The conspiracy theory, and I'm not using that phrase facetiously, that introduced a quantum of doubt into my faith was that the mainstream versions of the Bible were satanic and subversive, that the evil Vatican establishment had corrupted the Bible, and that the popular and easy-to-read new international version of the Bible was nefarious. If you wanted to read the real Bible, you had to read the King James Version from the 16th century. So that's what I did. But there was a crack in the solid foundation of my faith. Christians are supposed to believe that the Word of God is absolutely perfect. And according to the evidence I was looking at, some versions of the Bible were quite imperfect. Why would God allow his holy word to be corrupted? If there was one thing he could use his limitless power to preserve, shouldn't it be his book? In my 20s, I still identified with the religion, but I edged further and further away from practicing it. As I explain in my book review of Sam Harris's Waking Up, A Guide to Spirituality Without Religion. That's a book that I reviewed. I did a, a rather artistic video blog review of it, actually, that you may want to check out. I describe in that video blog that I once found myself in a lucid dream, and I asked one of the characters, perhaps my own subconscious, in the dream if I had legitimate intellectual reasons for leaving my religion, or if I was just justifying my secular hedonistic lifestyle with pseudo-intellectualism. The character in my dream responded that I was indeed just kind of justifying and fooling myself. Eventually, I read Stefan Molyneux's Against the Gods, and it finally cemented my reasons for leaving my religion. And Stefan asks the classic question, which is, why would a good God let bad things happen to good people? Quote, most religions explicitly state that helping others in need is morally good. Think of the parable of the Good Samaritan in the New Testament. However, since gods do not exist, and so cannot intervene, religions have the rather challenging task of explaining why their moral God does not help those in need. If it is immoral for travelers on the road to ignore a bleeding man, when it would cost them both time and resources to help him, is it not infinitely more immoral for God to refrain from helping, when it will cost God neither time nor resources, since he has an infinity of both. And Stefan argues that agnosticism is a weak intellectual cop-out. Agnosticism 
is kind of just a politically correct position that people take who haven't really thought things through and are afraid of offending the faithful. Quote, agnosticism is a relatively modern phenomenon. Avoiding the question of God's existence is nothing new, of course, but agnosticism attempts to hook into a lot of science, particularly quantum physics, string theory, and other multidimensional theoretical models. Historically, the word God has never meant things that may exist in other dimensions of the multiverse as described by modern physics. No, let's not empty the word God of its true and original meaning, which was a cosmic and spiritual father who created the universe, breathed life into mankind, burns the wicked, and saves the innocent, and so on. This meaty and monstrous superhuman, this thunderbolt hurling patriarch of our dim and brutal histories, this frustrated and enraged slaughterer of rebels and skeptics, this omnipotent beast should not be reduced to some pale and conceptual ghost hiding out in the dim theoretical alleys between the atoms. That's a great section, <laughs> isn't it? Beautiful, mm -hmm. beautiful writing there. Thus, after reading that book, book I, I very privately became an atheist. I'm trying to recall if I even changed my, my Facebook status from Christian to atheist. I guess I could go back and check. Moving on, let's talk about undeniable phenomena. There's a big difference between theory and phenomena. Phenomena is an effect which is observed. Your muscles getting bigger as a result of exercising, getting drunk after drinking alcohol, the tides going in and out, etc. Theory is an unseen cause and effect relationship that explains why something is happening. Gravitation, evolution of the species, the mitochondrial theory of aging, etc. Theories exist on a spectrum from virtual certainties, which is going to be things like gravitation and evolution, to disproven, which would be things like flat earth or totally non-falsifiable, which would be things like demons causing mental disease. And there's this alluring domain of metaphysical phenomena, which is like UFOs, near-death experiences, astral projection and remote viewing, the Mandela effect, ghosts and paranormal phenomena, cryptozoology, and clearly a lot of incidences of metaphysical phenomena have rather mundane explanations like weather balloons, faulty human memory, sleep paralysis, swamp gases, wishful thinking, government programs, you know, test airplanes, hallucinations, etc. But there are some incidences of metaphysical phenomena that just defy a materialist scientific explanation. And remember, the way that logic works 
is that you only need to find one black swan to utterly disprove the notion that all swans are white. You don't need to find a statistically significant number of black swans to disprove that statement. You just need one. Thus, if we can find one verifiable incidence of metaphysical phenomena that resolutely defies a strictly scientific explanation of the world, then we can conclude that the materialist worldview is false, at least until such time as a scientist introduces a cogent theory or evidence of what in the natural world composed solely of atoms bouncing into each other is the cause of metaphysical phenomena. I'd love to hear, I'd love to hear some, some scientific theories for metaphysical phenomena because there's, uh, there's, there's a, a stark lack of explanation for a lot of things. And there's certainly more than one such incidence of metaphysical phenomena. I used to enjoy this TV show that was called Destination Truth with Josh Gates. It's a reality TV show where every week they would travel to a new destination somewhere in the world and hunt ghosts or mythological monsters. Consistently, they wouldn't find any real monsters, except for the time when they discovered what seemed to be a veritable Yeti hair in Bhutan that genetic analysis later indicated was a novel, a new relic hominid. Very, very exciting discovery, actually. Worth, worth going and watching that episode of the TV show, even if you don't want to watch the other ones even though it was a, a very entertaining TV show. And hey, every once in a while, we all need a bit of uh, shallow entertainment, right? But in this TV show, they would encounter plenty of ghosts, demons, and metaphysical forces. Sure, these kinds of things can be faked in the post-production of a reality TV show, but ghost encounters are so common just ask your friends and family, that it's strong evidence that there is more to the world and life than meets the spectacled scientific eye alone. And there's three podcasts I like that do skeptical, uh, critical exploration and analysis of metaphysical phenomena. One is called Skeptico, the next is called Skeptoid, and then the other one is called The Other Side of Midnight. And if this podcast that you're listening to right now is piquing your curiosity, download some episodes of, of those podcasts that are devoted completely to this and judge for yourself if the scientific and academic establishment is ignoring a huge domain of human experience that is crying out, perhaps from beyond the grave, to be understood. Or you can also consider mass UFO sightings like the relatively recent Phoenix Lights incidents. And I'll remind you when I say UFOs, I'll remind you that UFO just stands for Unidentified Flying Object. 
UFO doesn't mean aliens. And I linked to this really well done little mini documentary on the Phoenix Lights incidents, which was this incredible UFO sighting where thousands of people saw the same gigantic UFO at the same time and uh, no good explanation was ever put forward to it for it. So there's this undeniable phenomena of UFOs, yet the theory of UFOs as extraterrestrial aliens is totally illogical and nonsensical. Interstellar space travel would require an extreme level of technological prowess. They would be vastly more advanced than us. Aliens capable of interstellar space travel would be capable of totally masking themselves from our perception. Real aliens would either be extremely moral or totally evil. If they saw us as potential competitors on the cosmic stage, they would wipe us out the way that a human stomps on an anthill. Or like in the classic science fiction series, Earth, Final Conflict, they would gift us with tremendous technologies, give us cures to disease, teach us to finally end war and have a, a fair global economy. Although I think that real aliens are less likely to be evil. There's a clear correlation between intelligence, technological advancement, and morality. More advanced civilizations tend to be compassionate to less advanced civilizations. And this is in modern times. I'm not talking about some battle that occurred between the British infantry and African tribesmen 300 years ago. Real aliens would either have some non-intervention policy, like in Star Trek, they have their prime directive, or they would act like the stereotypical do-gooder Western people who make a pilgrimage of selfish altruism to Africa to donate their time to build schools and take selfies with orphans. What they certainly wouldn't do is act like flamboyant pranksters, putting on dazzling displays in the sky and then disappearing to confuse us, or messing with our cattle, or cutting weird patterns in crop fields. And they could also learn everything about us that they wanted to by secretly sampling our DNA. They certainly wouldn't need to abduct us into their spaceships to conduct weirdly sexual experiments on us. Even if UFOs are just mass hallucinations, that's, that's something that you'll hear a lot of skeptics brush away these accounts of UFOs as, it's just, it's just hallucinations. You know, people, people hallucinate. It's common. But, so even if they are just mass hallucinations, that is indicative of a dimension of human consciousness and experience that science doesn't have a cogent theory for. And this sort of phenomena makes me reconsider my previous atheistic worldview. It should also make us reconsider 
simulation theory. I remember this computer game I used to play. It was called Black and White, where you got to be the god of an island populated with little digital people. In the video game, you would occasionally put on a dazzling display in the sky to increase your belief points amongst the, the population of little digital people. Could that be what's going on with the metaphysical phenomena that is, that is so prolific that we see discussed in these podcasts and that, that uh, there's so many examples of? And I include, you're going to want to check out the YouTube video that I include from the, the game Black and White. It's, it's, it was really was a clever, a clever video game, and you should at least check out the, the short YouTube video. There's a well-produced and entertaining documentary worth watching by Kent Forbes of the University of Maine, simply entitled The Simulation Hypothesis. This is, or if you want to go deeper into this subject, or, you know, maybe you got like friends or family that you want to introduce to this subject, show them this documentary. It's, it's the best documentary on the topic that I'm aware of. In the film, he shows how the materialist worldview has been disproven by the double slit experiment and its reproduction. You know, it's, it's important in science that experiments get reproduced. And that's what that's what that's what's happened with the double slit experiment. He suggests that the findings of quantum physics and the observable effects of relativity make sense within a digital universe, and how the concept of the five-dimensional holographic universe is consistent with simulation theory. Religion and metaphysical phenomena start to make a lot of sense if we're willing to look at the universe as a vastly scaled-up version of the video game that I used to play. The first time you played the video game, I would, to be honest, I would just be as evil a god as possible. For fun, you know, I would demand human sacrifices, hurl thunderbolts, Oops. release plagues, and monsters, you know, really terrorize the digital population of the natives in the gameplay environment. It was, it was a lot of fun. Go check this game out. But then you would play as a more benevolent deity and win the praise of your subjects being helpful and compassionate. It took more skill to be loved instead of feared. I can imagine if I were stuck playing the game for all of eternity, I would eventually decide to challenge myself by playing in a totally non-interventionistic style. I would very rarely put on displays in the sky or perform miracles. I would become a very hard-to-find god. I would simply introduce narratives and messages to subtly influence the people I watched over to level up and improve themselves. And then I would give them the individual agency option to practice free will, which few of them would, disappointingly. Many atheists have pointed out the contradiction of a good God who knows everything that's going to happen in the future 
pleading with us to make the right decisions. If, if you have atheist friends, if you ever get into a discussion with them, this is one of the first arguments that they'll bring up. And so, and this makes some sense. When I topple over a line of dominoes, I don't plead with the final domino to remain standing tall, despite the immutable forces of the universe acting against it. And this contradiction starts also starts to make sense in the simulation theory. You'll remember that really great scene from the devil's advocate with Al, pa Al Pacino and Keanu Reeves at the end of it, where Al Pacino finally, re finally reveals that he's actually the devil. And he explains it's, it's such an unfair thing being a human being because God gives you all these rules and tells you not to do all these things that are kind of in your nature. And it's just, it's just so unfair. It's just so unfair. That's why I, the devil, am I'm really on mankind's side. But again, this, this contradiction in the theology, it makes sense if you, if you think about the simulation theory. So the simulation would have thousands or millions of if-then rule sets about everything from human psychology to phenotypic revolutions. The processing power to create a whole universe would be sufficient to predict the future outcomes of such rules. So God or the programmer or the, the player watching over would be omniscient and they could see the future if they wanted, but it would be a lot more fun to just see how the little people in the game reacted to different narratives, historical wild cards, and even unexplained phenomena. And if you've played many video games, you, you've even experienced this. A lot of video games have a, a function in them where you can fast forward in the gameplay. You can jump ahead in the gameplay to see what happens. But it's, it's always more interesting to play the game at a, at a specific pace and see how, uh, see how the events occur in the game and see how the different elements and uh, characters and resources and things going on in the game react to each other. Given this view of the universe, it's logical for me to say, I believe in God or in a creator, but I'll have a problem accepting the Christian idea of a God that represents moral perfection. Considering simulation theory, God would seem to be a self-amusing prankster with a voyeuristic tendency of oogling our suffering. In the agnostics universe, there might well be a God, but he definitely wouldn't be any more interested in us than we would be in, say, dust mites. Whereas in the simulation theory universe, the Christian idea of a god who is intimately concerned with our lives and well-being starts to make a lot of sense. As an avid player of computer games where you had a 
God's view, perspective of the world, I was always concerned with the well-being of my little digital subjects below. And I became even more concerned the more advanced a player I became. Next, let's talk about pragmatic faith. There's this expression, you can never go home again, which means that you can never truly return to where you're from or where you grew up because that place has likely changed quite a bit and you certainly have. That's why returning to the neighborhood where you grew up is almost always a bitter pill of nostalgic disappointment. Similarly, I don't think I can ever return to being the true believer evangelical zealot that I once was. But Christianity, at least the way my family practices it, is a very pragmatic faith. It provides a loving social circle. It provides a moral system that guides us into being functional, productive members of society. It gives us a wonderful hope for something better after this life ends. The evangelical faith I used to practice was also an especially potent gateway to transcendent flow states, which is one of these things that's that's really popular around the biohacker community right now. Everyone is ranting and raving about different uh, flow triggers, different ways to get into flow state. And I experienced that in, in church quite a few times, quite, quite viscerally and vividly. Also, if you look at the statistics, religious people are healthier and happier than atheists or secular agnostics. And Stefan Molyneux, I'll return to him, he's sometimes called the most logical man on the internet. And he writes about the pragmatism of prayer. My argument is that what works is the act of asking a superior intelligence for guidance and wisdom. The simple fact is that people who pray often do experience a response. And the obvious and empirical answer is that they are asking for wisdom from their own subconscious. The subconscious whose processing power has been estimated as 7,000 times that of the conscious mind. The wisdom and astounding parallel processing power of the subconscious is largely only available to those who approach it on bended knee. I regard myself as a pragmatist, not a purist. And ultimately, I'm self-interested in what's going to make me happiest and healthiest in the long term. I'll lower my logical standards of skepticism for a moral or belief system that's highly beneficial to me. And I'll scrutinize with increasing skepticism any system that hurts me. Let me repeat that line because it's important. I'll lower my logical standards of skepticism for a moral or belief system that's highly beneficial to me. And I'll scrutinize with increasing skepticism. I'll really, really look at it under a magnifying glass. Any uh, system 
logical system, philosophical system, ideological system, whatever, that is uh, hurtful or costly to me. Thus, if a socialist came to me uh, trying to convince me of socialism, I'm going to have an extremely high level of skepticism because their system entails redistributing my property, highly taxing my labor, and a big government ruling over nearly every aspect of my life. Their system does little for me. But if someone comes to me with a system that's proven to make me healthier, happier, safer, and more free than my threshold for logical consistency lowers. If, if their system actually works, if they can also, if they can demonstrate that it actually is going to make me healthier, happier, safer, safer, and more free, and I have, if there's good evidence for that, 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 that standard of logical consistency and, uh, and pristine, Mm, pristine truthfulness and uh, principledness of it, that standard I lower in that case. I, and I'm, I, I think everyone else does, that's being honest. As a teenager, I had a very hard time attracting the attention of girls that I might like to date. Naturally, I just had low sexual market value as a teenager. A PDF seduction guide that I downloaded in the in the dead of night and then deleted the uh, cookies off my dad's computer so he didn't see what I was looking at, uh, that I downloaded as a young man, informed me that I needed to fake it till I made it. I needed to take up a logically inconsistent position of acting like a high value man while in reality I was barely a man. I remember as a 16-year-old virgin reporting the mantra that women love having sex with me. Women love having sex with me. Women love having sex with me. Yes, that's right. Women love having sex with me. Women love having sex with me. And uh, feeling so foolish telling myself something so totally untrue. But it worked. Women started giving me more attention when I acted cocky and aloof, even though inside I thought I was a total loser. Almost two decades later, I can see just how well this false belief had served me. If I, as a young man, had subjected my budding self-confidence and self-esteem to the same level of logical scrutiny that I did my religious faith, I would probably still be a virgin instead of a man who has enjoyed a very adventuresome sex life. Ergo, I'm willing to revisit my old faith and I feel like I can finally shrug off the nihilistic burden of atheism. And that's the article that I wrote on minds.com. I'd love to hear. I'd love to hear what you guys think of it. I'd love to hear if there's uh, if there's some major uh, blind spots in my in my reasoning on this. Uh, I look forward to hearing from both uh, religious people, and I'm sure that I have quite a few atheists 
in my audience that'll uh, <laughs> that, that'll let me know if I'm going completely off people. off the rails. Yep, some agnostics as well. Anyways, I'm Jonathan with Limitless Mindset, and I look forward to a continued conversation with you.